White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Deep array! It is gone! It's a no-hitter! Carlos Rodon! What a performance! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Welcome into White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. We got you for the next hour talking baseball, talking White Sox this morning. A lot of news for the Sox in the last week or so. Lots to go over as the White Sox remake or retool or revamp what is already a playoff roster and make their push for more hardware in 2022. 312-332. 3776. That's the phone number on the show this morning. That's the phone number all off season long. We're going to talk with Jesse Rogers at 930. He covered the GM meetings in Carlsbad, California. I've never been, but I've heard it's a fine town. Weather was probably nicer than it is here. We had that whole winter thing coming through yesterday. I was out walking a dog in what I'm told was a snow squall. I've never heard of a snow squall before. But as I was out walking the dog, it's you know Penny, about a 40-pound little sheep-a-doodle. She loves the cold weather. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I quite literally, the first thought that popped into my head as all the snow popped up and was whipping around and I couldn't see anything and the dog was basically lost in the snow was, I wonder how warm it is at the GM meetings and why am I not there? That's all I could think of. All I could think of was all of the off-season baseball stuff and warm weather that goes with our favorite sports. So 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Um, If you want to hop on Twitch, you can. Uh, We've got a small software issue going on with Twitch right now. should be up in just a couple minutes. Yeah, hand up over here. That's on me. All right. Um, Tell people what you've done. It's gone. So everything is sort of run through an iPad, and everyone's done this before. Uh Uh-huh. You, you don't always want to install the latest update because it's going to take a little bit of time and you don't have that time. And I fat fingered it. Okay. I fat fingered it. All so right. That's on me. So the software is updating. We've got the, uh, we've got the multicolored pinwheel of death spinning on the iPad right now, but Twitch should be up in just a minute. You can always hit us on Twitter, uh, at ESPN White Sox. That's the Twitter handle at C1 McKnight. That is, uh, my Twitter handle. We'll tweet out stuff about what we're going to do on the show here. Uh, we've got our news and notes segment coming up at 9.15. Speaking of hardware, the White Sox did pull some down. But the latest and greatest, the big news around the White Sox, of course, is something that we were uh, hoping we might get during last week's show, but definitely got the day after, actually about an hour and a half after, and then uh, 24 hours after that. The White Sox have made some big decisions on options and qualifying offers that they had to make. You've obviously heard the news. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn was on our morning show, Captain Jay Hood, on Monday. And you'll hear a little bit of that interview as it regards guys like Craig Kimbrell and Carlos Rodon. But let's start with the biggest piece of this. And, and here's my question to you, White Sox fans, as we get the show going. I've got two this morning. Uh, but the first one is this. The biggest decision this offseason so far has been declining, the White Sox declining to offer a qualifying offer to Carlos Rodon. In case you're unfamiliar with how that qualifying offer works, it is essentially the option of a team to say, hey, we're going to tag you, give you a qualifying offer, 
and this year it was for $18.4 million. That player then has the option to either accept that qualifying offer, and that becomes his contract for the season, $18.4 million. You cannot offer a qualifying offer to a player twice in his career, or two times from a franchise, I should say. Uh, No, twice in his career. Apologies all around. Or the player can turn down that qualifying offer. And if that happens, he hits free agency and the team receives draft pick compensation for having lost a player to another team after offering a qualifying offer, if things work out that way. So, Carlos Rodon, who had a terrific season, a bounce-back season like, like really no other. I mean, after pitching just seven and two-thirds innings in 2020, 34 and two-thirds innings in 2019, Carlos went out and threw 132 and two-thirds this last season. The ERA was a sparkling 237. He struck out 185 batters in 132 and two-thirds, only walked 36. This is a guy whose control has been an issue his entire career, specifically with the fastball, and that might have been his best pitch all season long. When he was right, it was humming in at 96, 97, 98, 99, and 100, even late in games when he had to close things out. His you know, draft capital or draft status, draft pedigree, having been a third overall pick all those years ago out of NC State, was on display. The slider was gross. The changeup was even good. And that's his fourth best pitch. Carlos did a lot of work solidifying the White Sox rotation and really, truly being the one for the Sox when he was out there in two-thirds of the season this year. He was that kind of devastating. Now, obviously, there are concerns around Carlos, and it's why it wasn't just a you know, fait accompli that the White Sox would perhaps offer a qualifying offer, although I was surprised that the Sox did not put a qualifying offer out there for Carlos Rodon. Not you know, overly surprised, but a little surprised that 18.4 wasn't uh, an offer they were willing to make for Carlos. There are a lot of reasons around that, and likely the biggest issue is that Carlos needed a lot of rest in between starts, specifically in the second half of the season. He only threw about 50 innings in that uh, last two months of the year, and everybody remembers the conversation that went around getting him ready for that lone playoff start against Houston. It took a lot of time, and it was really surprising to see the velocity back up where it was. So, big question here to start the show Are you surprised that the White Sox are apparently prepared to move on without Carlos Rodon? And I ask it that way because of this. It is not out of the realm of possibility that the White Sox get another contract and bring Carlos Rodon back into the fold. If you look at the starting rotation, the way things line up, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, in some sort of order, are your top three guys in that rotation. Michael Kopech seems likely to move into the rotation. Uh, I think Rick Kahn used the word, we have designs of moving Michael Kopech into the rotation for 2022, and it feels about time, so that's right. But it'd be a big jump in innings for Michael Kopech to get into that starting rotation in 22. You may need more innings out of more arms. Dallas Keuchel obviously rounds out the five, but they may need more than that. So I ask you kind of how you, how you feel about Carlos Rodon perhaps moving on from the White Sox. I mean, I, I'd never seen a no-hitter in person before. I'd come close a couple of times in my career covering the game. I, White Sox fans will likely remember Sox were in Wrigley Field a handful of years ago, 2010. It was shortly after the Blackhawks had won the Stanley Cup for their first time in those three chances. 
And the Cup was there. The Blackhawks were there that night at Wrigley, Sox and Cubs. It was Ted Lilly and Gavin Floyd with dueling no-hitters. One went into the seventh, one went into the eighth. Gavin lost his first. I think Juan Pierre broke it up. But that was as close as I'd ever come to watching a no-hitter live in person. And then finally this year in April, I was there at the ballpark. It was cold. Carlos was not wearing long sleeves. The button, uh, the jersey was unbuttoned about halfway down. You know, hard Carl was out there strutting around and, and achieved what is up to this point. You got to imagine his career highlight. Another 3-2, ground ball to third, Moncada up with it, throw to first, it's a no-hitter! Carlos Rodon has no-hit the Cleveland Indians! The 20th no-hitter in Sox history! What a performance, he's being mobbed on the mound by his teammates, they come rushing from the bullpen. He was also close to a perfect game, but a no-hitter will do. Yeah, he was really close. He hit the first batter of the ninth inning, Roberto Perez, on the tippy-toe with a little breaking ball. Just got him. I think it was an 0-2 count. Memory. It was. It was an 0-2 count, right? I was thinking two strikes two for strike sure. Count. Yeah, yeah I, think he, I think he missed outside with a first-pitch fastball and then came back in with a couple of breaking balls. Maybe three in a row, if I, if I remember right. I'd never seen anything like it, and I'll... I don't know if Len would be cool. Yeah, I'm going to say it anyway. He's probably not listening. In the sixth, Len looks at everybody in the booth and goes, he's going to do this. After he'd, after Carlos had gone through the sixth, and I think that was the middle of Cleveland's. Yeah, it would have been because it was a no-hitter. It was you know kind of right in that middle of the lineup of the Cleveland Indians. Not that they were all that impressive this year anyway. But we didn't, nobody knew that. And then, and a no-hitter is a no-hitter. But Len looks back at everybody and goes, I, I think this is going to happen. And I'm, you know, in my head, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen one before. No, they're really hard to do. It's Carlos Rodon. This was before anybody had, you know, expectations of a of a real dominant Rodon start every time he was out there. And that's pretty much what you got from Carlos all season long. So it's not it's not necessarily a done deal that the White Sox can't bring him back. It could happen. The White Sox maybe, you know, to, to a lot of people, seemed ready to move on from Carlos after the end of last season. Here's General Manager Rick Hahn on with Cap and Jay Hood, our morning show here on ESPN 1000, talking about not giving Carlos the qualifying offer. Well, I, I, I cautious, I'd caution you a little bit there on saying, you know, we're moving on and he's definitely going elsewhere. Keep in mind, uh, not exactly a year ago at this time, 11 months ago at this time, we non-tendered Carlos, and, and he became a free agent. Yet still, later in the offseason, uh, he returned. So we're going to take a similar approach this year, uh, and we'll remain in contact with him. I've already spoken with Scott Boris, his agent, last week, and texted with Carlos over the weekend, and we'll see, we'll see how things unfold. Really, all the qualifying offer decision was about was uh, the fact that we know we're not going to have him back in the next 10 days at $18.4 million for one. And based on everything we know about the situation and our needs, we figured maintaining uh, the flexibility on our payroll and our ability to remain in contact with Carlos and other options uh, made a little more sense than potentially securing a, a draft pick as much as we would like that. Mm-hmm. That likely would have been somewhere in the 70s. Uh, 
if the collective bargaining agreement does not change in this negotiation. So again, Carlos's days are not necessarily over. He's certainly going to explore his market, and as we will do the same with with other options for the 22 club. But if, in fact, this is the end of Carlos in a White Sox uniform, uh, I got to say you got to give the kid a ton of credit for battling back year after year through the adversities he had physically. And we all got a chance to enjoy for a, a long stretch last year what he's capable of doing when he's 100% healthy and, and rested and able to uh, you know, display his full talents. It, it was impressive. And that it was. It's White Sox GM Rick Hahn on with Cap and Jay Hood. Download the ESPN Chicago app if you want to hear that entire interview. It is a good one. I woke up early to tune in and listen uh, this past Monday. You can download that episode of their show and uh, every White Sox Weekly on the ESPN Chicago app. After the phone lines, we go 312-332-3776 in Evanston. It's John. John, you're on White Sox Weekly. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I've had a lot of patience, you know, that rebuild they've had to go through and, and you know, all this, you know, talk about how great a season they were going to have. And they did. They had a, they had a, they had a outstanding season. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, they've got money that they've got to spend on that second baseman and a right fielder that can hit on a regular basis. And, you know, if they don't bring back Rodon, maybe there's another starter out there that won't cost them as much money. But that second baseman is probably their biggest need. I don't remember the last time they had a second baseman that played like 100 games for them, and that's definitely what they need the steady second base play and a, and a steady bat in that lineup every day john Instead appreciate you thanks so much for calling in man i don't mean to cut you off we're up against the break i thought john was kind of done there too it's that's not our policy here on white Sox weekly we let you roll it's your show more than anything else but uh yeah i think i think john makes a good point and that's actually kind of where we're headed in the next segment, I want to talk about the difference between second base and right field. We'll get to the other options, too. One that got exercised in Craig Kimbrell, one that did not in Cesar Hernandez. We'll get to that after a quick break. We also got our news and notes segment. We'll highlight the uh, hardware that two White Sox brought home after this season. 312-332-3776. I'm Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. You can give the gift of White Sox baseball with a holiday pack starting at 79 bucks. Get six ticket vouchers to 56 different home games during the 2022 regular season, along with an exclusive White Sox hat and scarf set. Visit whitesox.com slash holiday packs to purchase yours today. I love this time of year when the when the holiday packs start coming out. Your ticket packages for 2022. You're telling me you can get a White Sox hat and scarf set? That is awesome. Scarves are like totally underrated. And you know, the word sounds a little, oh, you know, we wearing a scarf. You got a scarf on. Scarves are great. They keep you warm. They keep that Chicago wind out. You just kind of tuck that into the big coat. Scarves are, per- they do exactly what you want them to do. And if you get a little White Sox logo on that scarf, come on. You know you want that. And 79 like, bucks. If someone's like you and walked the dog yesterday oh. in yesterday's weather, oh. 
You know where that snow? You know that snow squall was going. You know where that snow was headed? The neck, right down the coat. Yep, right down the into the neck, down the coat. If I'd have had a White Sox scarf, Tyler, no been, problem. Would have been cozy. Could have gone for cozy, miles. Cozy like the dog. Well, that's that's the. I don't think the dog can go for miles. You can also upgrade your game day experience in 2022 to a private diamond suite, the perfect space for hosting family and friends or entertaining clients for a game. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. All right, time for our brand new feature here on White Sox Weekly. White Sox Weekly now brings you live correspondence from the far realms of the baseball universe. Everything from seams to batteries and anything from cash considerations to dirty inning situations. Here's young Connor McKnight. It's our news and notes segment here on White Sox Weekly. Dallas Keuchel won the American League Gold Glove Award. He was very, very good this year defensively. Uh, I always, I say this a lot, and I've said it even when I'm broadcasting games, filling in for Len. I, whenever a pitcher gets a comebacker and then has a chance to start the double play, throw on a second base, every time that guy doesn't launch it into center field should be celebrated. That is such a, that is such a harder play than you think it is. You get nervous. That comebacker throws your adrenaline through the roof. Then you got to turn and throw. You got to find which guy was there because nine times, they won't tell you this, but nine times out of 10, you know, the pitcher does his thing and he finds out whether the shortstop or the second baseman is going to cover two if the comebacker gets hit. I promise you that nine times out of 10, pitcher gets the comebacker and has already forgotten which guy was going to cover second base because the adrenaline goes through the roof. That even happens in the pros, even though they won't tell you that. So you got to find which guy you're throwing. Dallas just... So rarely made mistakes. He did make one error this year, his first in four seasons uh, as as a as a defender. But defensively, he has been that kind of good. And I've always thought Dallas was a really interesting guy. You know, you look through his career, pretty much no one throws more ground balls than Dallas Keuchel. So it's like, is it chicken or egg, right? Is he so good at defense because he throws so many ground balls or he did he, did he throw a bunch of ground balls and then uh, was because he was so I, I don't know it's just kind of fun to watch anyway congratulations to Dallas Keuchel who was credited with a career high 12 defensive runs saved the most by a pitcher since Mark Burley saved 12 defensive runs that's while he was with Miami in 2012 Kenny Rogers had 15 defensive runs saved in 2008. Kenny also knew when to hold them and also when to fold them. Liam Hendricks was named American League Reliever of the Year. It's the second straight season Hendricks took home this award. He's 32 and the first pitcher to earn the Reliever of the Year award in consecutive seasons. Uh, you know, they named this for the Mariano Rivera American League Reliever of the Year award. Eight and three, 254. 38 saves that led the American League. 113 strikeouts, a 7 3 whip. He was just fantastic. He walked, I mean, just like no one. The, just the, the, the sheer number of strikeouts to walks in Hendricks' season was remarkable. Like every time I do a pregame show, or, sorry, a postgame show after Liam had, you know, locked down a save or something like that, I'd look at the walk total. Seven. He had seven walks all year long. 267 batters faced. I mean, that's just a, it's a sparkling year for Liam, and he did everything, everything that the White Sox front office could have expected of him, uh, having signed as a big time free agent in last offseason. You can also bring your group out to a White Sox game in 2022, receive specially priced tickets along with great experiences, get priority access to select the 
biggest matchups. Choose the best space for your group and postseason priority for 2022. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. All right, a couple more things I want to get to before we get to Jesse Rogers here in a couple of minutes after the break. And that's, of course, the the big decisions the White Sox have made over the last couple of days. Um, These concern options, both taken or exercised, I guess, is the right way to do it, and also not. I think maybe the biggest piece of news is the Craig Kimbrell option. So I'll save that for just a moment. Cesar Hernandez was not, uh, did not have his option picked up. It was a $6 million option for the second baseman the White Sox acquired from Cleveland in this last year. It just didn't work for the White Sox and Cesar Hernandez. It was a tough year for Cesar, both offensively and defensively, after having been traded. Had a lot of power in Cleveland uh, with the now Guardians. Um, but it's a trade I'd make again. And I think a lot of that, Rick talked about this in the press conference that we played just some of it yesterday or uh, last week on the show. The process was good. I think they identified players that could help at prices that made sense and allowed them to go for big free, uh, big trade targets in Craig Kimbrell. Uh, but Hernandez was not a guy that worked out. And we're going to talk with Jesse Rogers about whether the biggest need is second base or right field. Uh, coming up in just a little bit. But that is an opening for the Sox, second base. Now, Craig Kimbrell, another move that, again, I've I've said this a lot, and I've said it all season, I I said it last week, that's a move you identify and you make. Every time you can, you go get the best reliever on the market when you're trying to win World Series. Now, Rick Hahn was on with Captain Jay Hood, like I mentioned on Monday. And he addressed picking up Craig Kimbrell's $16 million option and what the next steps might be. Well, look, we're still evaluating all our options with Craig for next year. I'll tell you, he was tremendous in the clubhouse. He came in, obviously, you know, as an eight-time All-Star with Hall of Fame closer credentials. Uh, as someone who was expressed wanting to put the team first and doing everything in his power to help us win a championship, obviously... That move didn't work with regards to October of 2021. Uh, we did not, uh, it didn't help us convert on how we drew it up in terms of how he was going to fit towards uh, that ultimate goal of winning a championship. But from Craig, uh, we got some, we got leadership, we got a good presence in the clubhouse. There were times where we had to make some minor adjustments when his mechanics would stray a little bit from what allowed him to be successful. And we think he's going to continue to be a dominant reliever in, in 22. Uh, how he fits exactly, you know, we're going to have to spend the next few weeks and months figuring out precisely what's, what's the best use of him. So that's Rick Hahn on with Cap and Jay Hood on Monday. Again, head to the ESPN Chicago app and download it if you want to check out that entire interview. It was a good one. Um, obviously, the, the reports and rumors have circled around the White Sox being ready to trade or, or perhaps approaching a trade of Craig Kimbrell. In fact, that report was out there just after the season ended for the White Sox, after their loss to the Astros in the ALDS. Now, I'm just kind of scrolling through here. I, I like um, I like free agent lists. You know, I like the power rankings of them. You know, I, ben Clemens did a really good one for fan graphs. Uh, and you scroll through some of the things, and you, Carlos Rodon is like the 19th best free agent out there right now starting pitching is pretty deep actually uh just in in terms of a free agent marketplace but i was just kind of scrolling through for this reason you get down to 24 and and by no means is this like a a hard and fast list but ben did a lot of work on it and i like the folks over at fangraph so i brought up this list rachel iglesias reliever 32 years old he's been pretty good 
is the 24th ranked free agent out there in the marketplace right now. Why am I bringing up Rysiel Iglesias? Well, he happens to do the same job that Craig Kimbrell does. Both closers. So if you're thinking to yourself, okay, the White Sox have declined an $18.4 million option qualifying offer on Carlos Rodon. They have picked up the $16 million option on Craig Kimbrell with rumors all over the place that the White Sox are interested in at the very least. And as you heard from Rick Hahn, they're still sorting out what the right thing to do with him is. Moving him, what are you going to get for Craig Kimbrell at $16 million? How much salary would you have to pick up in order to get something back that is acceptable if indeed that is a situation teams are going to put you in? With Rysiel Iglesias comparing, you know, favorably, not quite the same. Kimbrell's probably a little bit better when he's on. Rysiel Iglesias, and, and has a better uh, resume too. Iglesias, though, 24th round. I mean, you could get some pieces for that. You you might be able to, if you find the right kind of team to shop with, you might be able to find a guy that can help you on 2022's White Sox team. That could be an interesting way to go about things. Now, that does... If you're trading Craig Kimbrell, if the White Sox are doing that, that does make bullpen a big area of need. Uh, you're, if you're moving Kopech into the rotation, if you're trading away Craig Kimbrell, you know, that, that leaves you kind of just two impact guys in Aaron Bummer and Liam Hendricks toward the back end of the pen. Not without options of guys that could step up into a bigger role, but two guys that are, are really tested back there with uh, high success rates. 312-332-3776. That's phone number. You want to get a question into Jesse Rogers, ESPN's own Jesse Rogers? Give it a call. We'll pick up some phone calls when we talk to Jesse next. It's ESPN 1000, White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. <laughs> Weekly on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Jesse Rogers covers the entire league for ESPN. He is uh, everywhere and always here on ESPN 1000. On with Tom Waddle yesterday. Had the big interview with Justin Fields, Bears quarterback. Also covered the GM meetings uh, in Carlsbad, California. Jesse's got uh, one hell of an assignment, and he joins us here on White Sox Weekly. What I'm sure is the icing on a pretty cool week of cake. What's up, Jesse? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was sunny, 73 degrees just oh, a couple days ago for, for me. I mean, people call it a vacation out there, and um, sometimes it feels like it because you're just sitting around waiting, so you're just getting a little sun, but then all of a sudden a GM walks by and you go grab him or an agent comes by and you, you got to get him because uh, what they're doing is just going back and forth between meetings, agents and executives, right? Yeah. That's, that's the week. Setting things up for the offseason, saw Rick Hahn, obviously, Kenny Williams was there, and what will happen is next week, and everybody will take sort of the weekend off, and next week they'll go back to their offices and start to really get moving on the things they talked about with, with uh, agents and other executives this past week, and then we'll see some deals. I do think we'll see some deals before December 1st when the collective bargaining agreement expires. Probably a couple more, a couple free agents here and there. There's one theory, Connor, that um, teams, if there's a lockout, teams can talk to each other in December once the lockout hits. But obviously, 
executives can't talk to agents about players. That's right. not allowed. Right. Right. That's the nature of the lockout. But teams can talk to teams. So there might be a little bit of a slow play on trades because they've got nothing else to do starting next month if there's a lockout. So they'll start talking trades. And then all of a sudden when the lockout ends, um, there'll be a flurry of trades announced and then a bunch of free agent signings after that. So I'm getting ahead of ourselves. But um, So that's why I don't think we'll see a ton of trades right now because there's no reason to move that quickly when you're going to have maybe a month or two to do this when you have nothing else to do. No, that's good groundwork because I, I kind of want to get set here from the your perspective, the GM meetings. I, I know every reporter down there had a lot of work to do in terms of like setting up the field for their teams that they cover. But I want to know what sense the CBA kind of and the pending negotiations around it kind of gave to the meetings. Like everybody said, a lot of team officials said, ah, business as usual, business as usual. Should we believe that from team, you know, uh, team spokesmen, team GMs at this point? Yeah. You know, the phrase, the elephant in the room. Yeah. In this case, it was kind of the smaller elephant in the room. It was like a medium sized one, because I will tell you when it comes to the executives, think about this they really don't have much say or involvement in these negotiations between the league and the union. So my point is, I kind of believe them because they have to put together a team, whether it's now or when the lockout ends, or if there's no lockout, then they've got the winter meetings next month, which will probably be canceled. But at some point, they're going to have to still build a team. So for them, I kind of believe it. It's not like they need to talk to executives and agents and then go to the uh, league and the union and get involved in those discussions. They have nothing to do yeah. with the collective bargaining agreement. So that phrase, business as usual, which they were probably told to say, I think they, I think it was kind of true. I, I don't think it was really, um, it, it, you know, the elephant inside the room when they're talking to agents or other teams necessarily. I think, again, it may change the timing of things because this 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 pending lockout, but it, it really doesn't change the business of the offseason, just when it will be done. He's Jesse Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter at Jesse Rogers ESPN. He covers the league and is a familiar voice here on the station. Uh, I, I wanted to check in with some. I know you and Jeff Passan of ESPN work closely together at times, and I saw Jeff write the other day. Uh, this doesn't necessarily pertain to the White Sox, but all dominoes fall kind of together, so it, it mm-hmm. will at some point. He posited that a couple of teams are kicking tires on some of the real big-name free agents, you know, guys like Corey Seager, Trevor Story, and Carlos Correa, and that some of those guys may sign before the CBA expires December 2nd. Can you walk me through kind of the logic here and, and where um, where some of that sits for perhaps other teams and perhaps the White Sox who could be in on a guy like Marcus Semien that fits that bill? Yeah, I don't. There's not really rhyme or reason why one guy would sign before a lockout and, and and others would after. It's kind of like each case is just an individual thing. The timing works for the team and the player. Maybe the players uh, you know, really wants to sign b- before December first, and he tells that to his agent mm. just to have peace of mind. And so that agent, in this case, Scott Boris for Simeon and and Seager, you know, he becomes a little bit more aggressive. I, there, there really is no rhyme or reason. There was just this feeling from those two guys, because I was with Jeff on this stuff, that, that you know, and they're both Boris guys, that there, there might be – remember, when Boris has so many guys, they can't all wait till February 1st. Right. So I think that's also when – when an agent has a lot of guys, he's got to start moving. And invariably, every offseason, Boris has big names. So I think that was kind of just a feeling like maybe he's moving a little quicker because he has so many guys to go through. Remember, he's got Castellanos and he's got – 
you know, a, a, a ton of other guys, Max Scherzer, big, big names. So there was some feeling on, on, um, on that. The one thing about some of these things like the shortstop market or the starting pitching market, a lot of times when one goes, several go. Now, again, the timing of this lockout might interrupt that. Um, but I guess my, my point is if one does go, we might see another one. And then, then two or three more after the lockout. Same thing with starting pitching. Like when one goes, you get a couple more to go. The relief market is kind of an independent market for the most part. And that's why I actually think the White Sox could make a move this month. You mentioned it so perfectly uh, before the break there. They have openings now. Yeah. Uh, Kimbrell's going to get moved. Kopech's going in the rotation. Does Matt Foster rebound? I mean, there's some question marks within that, that group there, but they'll probably go outside. And I actually like Ryan Tapera as a great candidate to re-sign. Haven't heard any traction there. In fact, I checked in with his agent. He just said it's early days. And that's something you hear often in November. It's just early for a lot of people. But once in a while, you jump the market. And I feel like the White Sox and Rick Hahn's, um, you know, MO is kind of like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they did jump the market. Just even one guy before December 1st. But getting back to my original point, timing is always just kind of a crapshoot. And Jeff had heard that maybe a couple of the Boris guys might move early. But, you know, someone reported that about Baez a few weeks ago and yeah. nothing's, nothing's changed. So you get a feeling and then it, it changes daily. In fact, I talked to an agent about the shortstop field right before I left. And he's like, his opinion changes daily where each of these shortstops will go. So it's, it's very fluid, Connor. So Scott Boris also represents Carlos Rodon. And, you know, Scott does this whole, you were there, I'm sure. Scott does mm-hmm. this whole thing where he's got puns, yeah. puns for everybody, puns for days. And the one he worked on Carlos <laughs> was when you think about sculpting a pitching staff, <laughs> if you're a thinking man, the target, without a doubt, is Rodin. Now, of course, that's a reference to uh, sculptor Auguste Rodin, uh, right. a Frenchman, known for the thinker, the monument to Balzac, the kiss, Bergers of Calais, the gates of hell, real heady stuff there. My favorite, Jesse, uh, are the gates of hell. You know, that, that's, it's real good. <laughs> but a lot of people go for the thinker because it's just an easier... It's you're, more you're, you're more cultured than me. You're more uh, cultured than me. I'm just kind of reading a Wikipedia article. <laughs> okay. Still, though, you know, we heard from Rick Hahn on Cap and Jay Hood, and I know you've talked to him as well. Well, the likelihood of a Carlos Rodon reunion isn't something you can peg to percentages. But what would it need to look like if it did happen from what you know? Well, it would have to be multi-year deal. I mean, Boris is not into any one-year deals unless he's forced into that. Um, Carlos, like everyone else at this point in their careers, has been waiting for that payday where there's security attached to it. Um, you know, he's coming off a weird ending for sure, but they, they claim it's not a major injury. There's no no structural damage. It was about the innings jump. Mentioned it several times. You know, he pitched well for a couple innings in that playoff game, got that velocity back. So my point is, I don't think Boris is going to have to settle for one year, uh, but I don't think he's getting necessarily the five-year deal. So somewhere in between, I think, is, is he, he reeks of a three-year deal to me. I don't think it's going to be with the White Sox. Um, look, if they don't offer a guy a qualifying offer that had a year like that, they're certainly willing to let him walk. Um, Kopech's going into the rotation. This is how you sort of keep keep moving forward but but not getting too expensive with your payroll. The payroll's going up in the first place. Yeah. But now you're going to get a cheapish starter in Michael Kopech instead of a very expensive one in Carlos Rodon. So this is kind of how you turn things over. And I'd hope they'll spend in other areas like a left-handed bat, a second baseman, possibly a right fielder, and certainly in the bullpen. They do need to add to the starting staff, but probably around the edges a little bit. Some people think they need to go bigger than that. 
Uh, I'm not convinced that Dallas Keuchel's done by any means. He's one year removed from a 199 ERA, and he and this was his first full season in several years because you know he held out a couple years ago. Right. So um, I don't, I'm not convinced he's out. So you have four good. You know, I still think he's he's potentially. You have four starters plus Kopech. Um, so I think to to keep this thing moving and not see your payroll go crazy. That's why Rodon's probably going to move on. Is there appetite, Jesse, to perhaps play at the bigger edges of free agency at second base or right field? You know, guys like Marcus Semien, Trevor Story, who was in rumor mills uh, leading up to the trade deadline, Starling Marte, Kyle Schwarber, and of course Nick Castellanos. I mean, is it is it possible the White Sox push in for a big time expenditure? I think so. I think so. I mean, they spent on Liam Hemsworth last year, right? Uh, they they traded for Lance Lynn, so spent money there. So now it's time to fortify that lineup. You know me. I've been talking about this for a year. Getting that extra left-handed bat would be huge. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think Simeon or Story want to play second base. In fact, I know Simeon doesn't want to. Now, if he's convinced of it, that's a different story. But I know he wants to go back to shortstop. I think someone reported he'll play second if he's paid like a shortstop. I guess that's possible. Mm. But shortstops get paid like shortstops. So I, I and it, and also being right hand, I'm not. I, I I feel like you know go back to Eduardo Escobar. He's only 32 years old. He's not going to cost you the world. You know, he's not going to cost you a big big number there. Um, his OPS, uh, his numbers in general were better after he got traded. Sometimes we don't see that. We didn't see that with Cesar Hernandez. Uh, but I would go big in right field slash DH. My my idea, Connor, is Schwarber. Um, he he's money in the bank in terms of slugging from the left side. Look, he's going to hit thirty home runs, especially in the middle of that lineup. Now, I don't love him in the outfield, but if you like what Vaughn did last year and you like a little bit what Sheets did, you can platoon those guys in right field or semi platoon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, DH Schwarber, and think about this: Schwarber actually played okay at first base at times. He could spell Abreu at first. He could spell Eloy in left. In fact, he's probably just as good a fielder in left as Eloy. So that's the kind of guy I'd go big from the left side. And look, it's again, money in the bank. I don't know if he's going to hit 220 or 260 like he did this year, but he's going to hit 30 plus home runs in the middle of that lineup. So I do think they'll push in a guy like Schwarber would probably cost you four and 70, something like that. 75. I mean, he he had his best year of his career last year. So that's where I would go more than a right-handed bat. But I do think there's, there's money for, for, for one of those type of guys. Yes. Well, if anybody can help Schwarber out at first base, it's Super Joe McEwing. The guy knows what he's doing over there. And the rest of the infield staff's really good, too, obviously. I, I wonder, you know, Jesse, there are a lot of other things uh, concerning the CBA that re- may remake our game a little bit. What do you hear about things like pitch clocks, expanded playoffs, and the DH coming to the National League, not that it's going to bug White Sox fans all that much, but it sh- certainly will reshape the league. Yeah, it'll probably come. There might be some gimmicks involved, like that double hook thing. You know, if you start with a DH, when you pull your starter, uh, you lose your DH. So there's right. still some okay. late-inning strategy. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, you know, okay Theo, Theo Epstein was at the GM meetings. He, he's in charge of rule changes, or, you know, he, he, that was his job this past year. He gave a big presentation to the GMs. Don't know exactly what went on in there, but pitch clock was definitely addressed, and it's absolutely something. Let's put it this way. They're moving in that direction. They're moving in the direction of a pitch clock. I don't know if it's as soon as next year, but it does feel like it's coming. It does feel like the DH is going to be negotiated in there um, during the CBA talks. The expanded playoffs are real interesting, Connor. One proposal, listen to this. Mm-hmm. i got to punch up my standings here, but I kind of remember it. Okay. Uh, one proposal 
involved two of the division winners, the second and third division winners. So this year would have been the White Sox yeah. and the Astros being able to choose their wild card opponent in the first round of the playoffs. In the in this proposal, there'd be four wild card teams, and Houston, being the second division winner, would get to choose their opponent from the bottom three wild card teams. And then the White Sox, as the third division winner, would have been able to choose their opponent from the second, you know, the la- the, the the other two wild card teams left. The first wild card team would not be involved. So this year, I believe it would have been Boston, New York, Seattle, Toronto yeah. as your four wild card yeah. teams. Let's say Houston picks. Seattle, right? Seattle, first-time playoff team, kind of just squeaks in. They might. The White Sox would have been able to choose between um, Boston was the one seed, so the Yankees or the Blue Jays for the wild card round. Now, the top division winner would get a buy in this scenario. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about choosing your playoff opponent? You talk about opening up uh, a, a chance to second guess. It would probably be you know the executives like second guessing Rick on why did you choose the Blue Jays? You should have chose the Yankees. I talked to executives at the GM meetings. They hate this idea for that very reason. Of course they do. Of course they hate that because there's second guessing going on all over the place. They want fate to decide those matchups. I I don't mind. I assume Jesse, these would be one game situations, right? We're not changing the length of that wild card. No, it okay. would be best of three. With the higher seed, the division winners obviously hosting all three games in three days. Wow! And the reason is they they, they don't want to play one game yeah. because it's just too you know you're, you could win 105 games and be out kind of you know, they want to eliminate that thought. Um, the other thing is though you got to play three quick days because the the, the top team with a buy can't sit for ten days. You right. know you got to get those games so it'd be like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then you're playing by basically Saturday. So that team would wait almost a week, the, the, the top team in each league. So, it, look, that's one proposal, um, and it's pretty radical choosing your opponent. Uh, but I do like the best of three a little bit better than the wild. I, I, I kind of like the wild card in a way, but best of three at least gives that team a chance that just you know performs, you know has a clunker one day. So there are elements of it that I like. I don't know. What do you think? I think I speak for a lot of fan bases when I say I love the wild card game as long as my team's not in it. Right. <laughs> you know? right. It's, it's a ton of fun, but having to watch that thing with any kind of coin or interest in it is like, oh, my God, I'm going to chew through my hands. It's terrible. But you and I are, are sports radio guys, and you talk about uh, the sports radio conversation uh, about choosing your opponent, you know? Yeah, that's oh gold. My. It's gold. It's, for months, it's, it's gold. I mean, would you ever choose the fourth seed? You probably would if the matchup is just right for you. Yeah, you I know, think you, I think you absolutely would. Or maybe if you were, you know, listen, I, I, it's White Sox Weekly, but if the the Astros could have chosen to face Lance Lynn, you know, once in a series and get a one nothing edge, knowing that they had the numbers against him, shoot, maybe you do make that matchup call. Right. So it's it's real interesting, but you know, they'll they'll look. The, the, the league really wants expanded playoffs. I think the players do. But they're playing a little hard to get because yeah. they know that's a big chip. So they're not act. They're acting like, oh yeah, it'd be nice if you if you wet our beak a little bit. But I think the players would would like it. There's an argument about. There's an argument for and against more teams in the playoffs. Be, you know, from the player side, because if 80 wins gets you in the playoffs, teams may not spend much in the offseason to get past 80 wins. Right. Right. right? Now it's you, you. Teams think about 90 wins, but with four wild cards, you might think of 80 or 83 wins. But on the other hand. If you're at 70 wins or 75 wins, you might spend a little bit to get to 80. You know, so it gives these bottom teams a little bit better of a chance. But, um, you know, it's all about the economics as we kind of go full circle here. Um, the league doesn't want to add any more money into the pie. 
the, the players say revenues are through the roof. You've got gambling revenues now. Um, you should add some more money to the pie. You should have a, a floor and then raise the ceiling where the league says, we'll give you a, a, a payroll floor, but we're going to lower the ceiling. Jesse, appreciate you as always. Thanks so much for the coverage. We'll talk again soon, my man. You got it, Connor. Have a good day. Take care, pal. To Jesse Rogers, ESPN. Good chat with him about a lot of things baseball. We'll hit the break. Come back. Close things up on White Sox Weekly. It's ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Last few minutes of White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McNutt. You can enjoy the best views of the ballpark in 2022 with all-inclusive experiences and premium seating. The Guaranteed Rate Club and Wintrust Scout seats include flexible payment plans, postseason options, and more. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. Good chat with Jesse Rogers earlier in the show. Download the ESPN Chicago app. You can download all of our shows and interviews and White Sox weekly episodes. Uh, if you want to go back and listen through it, we touched on everything baseball, really. Um, I wanted to touch on one more thing. I guess the one thing we didn't touch on, if we're taking everything literally. Saw a report out uh, from a couple of different places where they were thinking about or the league had thrown out the idea of changing the arbitration rules and and how those would necessarily work. There's a lot going on right now, and there's a lot of back and forth, so none of this is gospel. None of this is absolutely going to happen. But one of the ideas they had was for a player like Lucas Giolito, for instance, who's in his last two years of arbitration, they'd base his value off of wins above replacement numbers, as opposed to the traditional stats like wins and strikeouts and innings pitched and all those kinds of things, the way we've been doing it for a long time, basing it off a one value wins above replacement number. And I think it's interesting. It's certainly better than some of the archaic stats we use, like pitcher wins, right? Who wants to base a pitcher's value, monetary value, off the pitcher win anymore? Eh, It's worth something, but it's certainly not money. And that'd probably be better for Lucas overall, or really every starter. I doubt this is exactly where things go, but I thought it was interesting in that this is a place where the league and the Players Association are maybe using some of the you know more advanced or at least somewhat advanced metrics and, and stats to go ahead and make a, a player value what it could be in the long term going forward. Still some talk between Lucas and the White Sox about a potential long term extension. Uh, that's something we'll be looking for all season long. You can entertain your group in the CIBC fan box, the only luxury suite on the main concourse, and go enjoy new customizable food and beverage options in 2022. Visit whitesox.com or call 312 674 1000 for more information. That's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Big thank you to Tyler Aki and to Jesse Rogers. As always, thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. The boys are next with the Hockey Show. Pat Boyle's here. Brian Hanley as well. This is ESPN 1000.